with Craggy Island Rugby, the Zebra edition, Parma, a sunny Saturday afternoon. And we've just blown up the communication systems here at the uh, Stadio, uh, what is it, Len Frankie? Stadio Len Francini. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the music's gone off, and uh, so has all the power in the press area. Uh, it's a Craggy Island Rugby takeover. Yeah, I think you should, Rob, actually, because it's your fault I wasn't here. It's entirely my fault. William there, uh, Davis joining us on the podcast. Lindy will join us later. We've got lots coming up this week. We've, we've uh, interviews with team doctors and loads of other stuff. But to start the story, we're broadcasting on Goyev FM. Our ISDN line that was installed yesterday didn't work. Someone from Italian Telecom came along. He brought a screwdriver and some wires. He did something. And uh, there was a big bang. And all the music's gone. The Wi-Fi's gone. I'm, I'm, I don't even know if the floodlights are working, to be honest. <laughs> well, well there's, 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 actually, there's no lights now in the uh, coaches' box across the way, and I think there was lights in there a minute ago. DJ Caracan broadcast. We can't put this out on air. That's all I want to know, because I don't want everyone to know we stopped the entire broadcast. I'd like you to know that it was Rob. I was not here. I was gone back. A guy with a screwdriver who looked like I don't work on Saturdays, and I'm sick. Um... Well, he should have just been thinking of the treble time. He didn't look very happy, to be fair. They, he did actually turn up on a Saturday afternoon in Italy when you consider that half the town is closed solid. Yeah, he, he turned up He turned up within an hour of, uh, of the phone call, within a half an hour. But I have to say, after that explosion, he said a few things, looked around like he was about to cry, and then slowly, he slowly backed away. I'm not sure. I hope we'll see him again. If that doesn't work, we have your HTC phone for, for good work. Uh... I'd say it's 50-50. That guy mightn't bother coming back at all. Oh, no. Oh, no. So that, my friends, is the story. Uh, William, I suppose, just for a second, bonus point win for Connacht or you're not happy? Uh, I would take a win, but a bonus point really should be on the cards. A beautiful evening for rugby. Play well for 60 minutes and then close. That, that, that's what you've got to do. do. Do the right things first. Our friend is back. Yeah, he's got wires, and he's saying things. And then he's nodding at him as he says stuff in Italian. She's saying it like she understands. <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> and that is that. Okay, we'll be back at halftime. Maybe. I don't know. You can't re- if there's no electricity, I think the batteries will work. Provided we haven't been asked to leave. <laughs> Okay, so it's uh, 30 minutes gone in the first half. We've just gone off air on Goy Bay. We've been battling away with a phone line connection. Luckily, William's headset at least makes it a bit easier to do, but uh, one of those stressful situations where the uh, the line blew that was installed yesterday blew the entire stadium, as we said earlier, out. Uh, I think they got the stadium electricity working, but our guy just, he just ran. Have we seen him since the explosion? No, we haven't. Here's a sentence. Have we seen him since the explosion? No, he uh, disappeared. I expect he got back in his van and uh, he's vamooshed. Yeah, he's closer the, to the Swiss border than I am right now for, for tomorrow. The um, media manager came up and basically apologised and said, welcome to Italy, gentlemen, and then he disappeared. So uh, I don't think you... I think you can safely say that the ISDN line will not be back. Yes, I think we can rule that out. Leonardo did his best. In fact, he, in fairness to him, he, uh, he conjured up an Italian telecom guy on a Saturday. Maybe we should just be happy someone turned up but uh, yeah this is definitely a first I have to say I have broadcast from a table down the corner of the stand before here uh, when uh, there's nothing happening in the game so we're just chatting about this when um, when the Italian telecom people installed the line on the gate of the, of the grounds rather than in the stand um, that was quite a, a dramatic but we got on air that day and sure, look we'll get them there here hey 17-6 not bad from Connacht considering they've had so little possession 
Yeah, they've, 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 they've done okay. They're playing in fits and starts, but they're playing like a side that really believes they're going to win this game. They've got two tries, so they, they need to keep, keep up their work and they need to keep their accuracy. They're giving away penalties. They're making little silly errors. I expect we'll be... A, somehow you feel the second half performance will be a lot tighter. There'll be a few things pointed out at half-time and they'll be, they'll be ready to go for the second half. Halftime, William and Zebri get to try that all their play and their dominance deserved. Um, really uncertain. It's probably the first time for a while now. I'm just really unsure what I'm watching with Connacht. Yeah, they're uh, they're just not clinical or accurate enough. It, it's it's that I'm, they're they're playing with a fair bit of conviction. Some of their defensive work has been very very good, but they haven't had the ball and they haven't had any field position. Um, the try came about after a shambolic scrum where the ball came out the side, Zebra should have scored a try we managed to prevent that and then Tom McCartney completely missed his jumper or the jumper got the call or whatever it was wrong and eventually when you keep giving any, even a poor side like Zebra opportunities they're going to take one and um, they're going to go in at half time thinking they're well in this game uh, I still feel Connacht if they can get a bit of speed and a bit of width will be well, well capable of putting this away but Zebra were to score first in the second half this might get quite entertaining in a sort of a squeaky bum way again good charge from Dennis Buckley here's Marion so Connick over on the far touchline as we look across the pitch they're from left to right in the second half but Bundyaki first receiver lovely shovel pass along Mally Mulgowney before he got smashed to Finley Beal and Connick recycled quickly Aki from Marmion and he gives it out to O'Halloran he was checked and it came to George now who was on for the injured Owen Masterson who was on for the injured Jay Keenan yeah it's one of those nights Ash McGinty Ali Mulgowney Tom McCartney McCartney steps back inside up to the 10 metre line inside the Debris half but just inside Debris Territory Connick to lead by four kick through for Marini to chase he's chasing a hat trick he's going to pick this up and he's going to go in and score as simple as that what a score lovely little grubber kick brilliant from Healy a hat trick ten minutes to go very hard to describe to you what we're watching here 48 points to uh, 34 and it's the first time ever that Debris have got a four try bonus point against Connick so that's their four try they'll be delighted with that uh, despite the, the scrappy game and as you point out one more converted try and we've got a very nervy finish because I think it's 14 points between the sides now 48-30 At times this has almost had the look of an old style benefit game that you used to see where a president's 15 would take on a club side and the ball would be thrown around with, with, with gay abandon and there'd be lots of errors uh, it's quite a long way from what you expect to see in, in, in the professional era and he is it's quite amazing with 48 points on the board he's now kicking to try to get it to 51 uh, but Connacht just want to get this done and get off this pitch Ali Muldowney uh, has really stepped up in the last 20-25 uh, minutes he's had a massive game penalty is on. here it goes from McGinty has he got it on target we can see with certainty now that Connacht are going to win this game and they'll be top of the Pro 12 table tonight and maybe throughout the weekend unless Ulster can get a bonus point win against Scarlet tomorrow 72 minutes and 50 seconds gone it's Connacht 51 it's February 34 right post game section of the podcast we're in the NH Hotel in Parma myself and William we're going to take you through this podcast we will hear from Pat Lamb from Hattrick hero Matt Healy we'll hear from Donald Byrne 
Dr. De Connick team. William caught up with him earlier in the day. We'll also hear from Garo Janon, who are involved with the NUIG Academy touring site. And there was a huge number of them making tons of noise. And in a small crowd in Zebra, they probably drowned out whatever home support was there. So good job from them and a nice reception they got at the end with the team. But to start with, yeah, well, you haven't heard from us since... Well, I don't know when we updated you last, I think half-time. Uh, maybe midway through the second half, yeah, maybe that was it. Oh, what a mental game. Uh, it's one of the strangest games of rugby I think I've ever watched. Um, a lot of the headlines that we're seeing on the net there and stuff, talking about a thrilling game and this sort of stuff. It wasn't. Or maybe it was. Maybe if I, I, I when I watch the recording, I'll come back with a different view. But actually watching it, it was a strange, error-strewn game with a lot of tries and a lot of scoring but not, and a lot of endeavour, but none of it very high quality, in my view. And it, it was a bit of a mess. And the worrying thing is there's potentially a couple of injuries out of it. But look, it's, it's a bonus point win. That was what they came for. They didn't expect to get it this way. But maybe rugby can't always be as scripted and organised as you expect it to be these days. Very odd game for rugby. Zebra, I think, came with a plan to, to just go for it because they had such a bad beating last weekend. But you've got to be realistic. That's two weeks in a row they've shifted 50 points, but at least in this game they contributed. They got a bonus point. Um, but Connacht will just mark it down, move on. Ten wins... They're in this phase of the season now. It's about winning games, gaining points. And they look at certain things that happened there. I'd, I'd say they'd be disappointed with a lot of the errors. And it was the lack of concentration. They, they, they lost their pace and they lost their conviction. And they kept letting a very average Zebra side back into the game. Do that next week against the Ospreys and you won't win. All right, let's hear from Pat Lamb. I spoke to him after the game. You know, put it to him from the start point that there was lots of errors in that bonus point win. Uh, but, of course, as we got on with the conversation, you just had to get to the positives. And let's have a listen to this. Pat, um, try, can you try and make sense of that game? Yeah, it's, uh, I think if we... You know, everyone wants the outcome. So we got the outcome of five points. But, uh, you know, when we, uh, but certainly there was a lot of uh, lessons, a lot of lessons, a lot of work-ons for us. And the boys talked about it. You know, but we will say this, that no one comes here and puts 50 points on these guys. And you saw how committed they were. And we had to work hard. And, and we, we made it difficult on ourselves. You know, we said that every time we've come here, we've, we've um, built our basics well and, you know, turning ball over. You know, I think even... One time we had a scrum, ball pops out, then we have a, our line-out on that we'd stop that with a try-saving tackle on the corner by knee. Line-out, we'd lo- we turn that over. We never lose that ball because we got a, we, we call it a dead-cert line-out from there, what, the way we do it. That's the first time we lost it this year, and then bang, bang, tries. So that probably sums it up uh, in, in, in that sense. But, you know, we, uh, we we got ourselves back out there and uh, and we kept just building the score. And, but I think tactically, too, there were some areas that, you know... What I'm excited by is just things that I can take away and really cut up and some great learners going into the next part. I think the fact we're training in pretty boggy, wet conditions, we come out now and it's the boys have come off said that you know, it's been a, quite a taxing game for them. And, um, you know, not only the guys who are injured, but the guys, uh, everyone's got pretty pretty heavy knocks here. 
Yeah, we'll ask you about the injuries in a second, but just, yeah, would it be dangerous to focus too much on the negativity side of things in terms of how you let a team back in so much, how they had so much possession, how so much territory, or would you be willing nearly to park it at this early stage? Well, I think supporters can enjoy the five points and the fact that we're back at the top of the mm. table. I think we already talked about here that we, we don't fool ourselves. Mm. You know, we, we're a learning team. Uh, when I say a learning team, we like to learn. And um, there's a lot of learners we can take out of that. And don't forget, you know, there's some players in there that are, uh, you know, the very early in their careers of this. And uh, so there's some great stuff. And even some of the senior boys, it's, it's more the learners, what we do collectively, tactically as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and, uh, and we'll get better for this. And I think the good thing, I think hopefully we're finally seeing the end of the December, January, February hard uh, soft pitches. Now we get into hard pitching. That was a bit of a rude awakening for the boys to go from the bog where we've been to to that. And um, you know this is getting something closer to what we did in Gloucester, uh, that sort of rugby. And um, but we're going to have to tighten up a lot of areas. Fifteen points from three Pro 12 games. Yeah, that's incredible. Like. Yeah, it is. And uh, I suppose we're pretty proud of that. Uh, you know that outcome. Um, you know and. and and we haven't played well. And like Mole put it on the head, you know, hit it on the head in the change room. He says, "Look, good teams win ugly," and uh, and the boys are doing that. And uh, so, um, you know, I think the other learning we can take. Last time we sat at the top of the table, and I know there's still offs to come tomorrow. Um, the, you know, the pleasing thing we know they can only match us, and um, and 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 uh, as far as the five, so we'll either be finishing this weekend in first or second on points differential. So. Um, the good thing from that is that last time we were in the situation, you know, we, we, we lost games. So we just talked about now. Yeah, we can take the learnings that we took from those games into this one and try and keep our head in front. So 10 wins matches last season, 50 yeah. points is a, is, a, is a good marker in itself. But And this Ospreys game coming up then with them in such good form, is this the perfect scenario for you right now coming off what what, what was on, in the news last week with Robbie? Is this what, just what you all needed to be, make sure you're back on track, on the pitch, focused on the games? No, I think we, we've just gone, you know, this team doesn't change from day to day. We, we, we just work hard and, um, you know, the outcomes we celebrate later on, but certainly, you know, to, to be 40, what have we done, 15 games, we've equaled the highest score ever last year, which is 50. Uh, Evan Connick's Pro 12 history, we got the most tries in the competition. You know, we've got uh, 10 wins equals that as well. And uh, we still have a lot of games to go. So it's a real credit to uh, all the staff and management and all the players, the, the work that we're doing. Uh, but we're not getting carried away. Uh, as I've been saying, although we've stayed in the top four right through the season, um, I think we're the only team that hasn't dropped out of it. The, um, um, in the Pro 12, well, we are the only team that hasn't dropped out. We, we, we realise that doesn't count for anything until come May, May, uh, May 7th that we are, we are in there. And, um, and so there's a long way to go between then and there. Pat Lamb there, speaking after what was a pretty spectacular game. 51 points to 34, we think it is. And yeah, it'll go down in the history books as one of the most unusual results. Matt Healy got a hat-trick, doesn't do his reputation, dare I say, any harm whatsoever. No, it doesn't. He's a very... um, When he gets a chance, he tends to seize it very well. He's very quick. He's as fast a Connacht player as I've seen with... It reminds me a bit of Simon Gagan. It's taken back a long way. Yeah. Simon Gagan was quick. <laughs> super, super quick. Healy's not maybe as, as tall as him, but he, he covers the ground and he runs. When he's running at speed, he's running in a fairly upright manner and it's hard to tackle him. And he's, a, he's able to... He's got good feet movement, so he's able to step a little bit. But guys have to really commit 
to tackling. And if they've missed him, they bounce off him. And that happened a couple of times today. A lot of what Connacht did today was quite slick. It really varied. Some of it was really slick, and some of it was truly awful. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't matter. Pro- the problem was they probably knew, yeah, well, okay, they've scored it, they've come back, but we'll get another one. But that is, is a mindset you'll, that there'll be the, the coaches, the, the, the guys analysing for next week will be saying, look, you don't allow a side like the Ospreys or the next week then Edinburgh. You can't give them chances like that. It's just not doable. Zebra just aren't good enough because their, def- their defence isn't good enough. But we won't get as many chances to score as we did today. Here's Matt Healy speaking to me after the game. We're looking at stats, Matt. Hat-trick for a Connacht player in a Pro 12. Only Fionn Carr's done it before you, so you're, you're in good company there and you've made a little bit of history for yourself too. But it was a good day in that regard anyway. Yeah, look, I'm delighted, uh, as with all games, to get in the score sheet. But to get three is pretty special. I don't think I've ever done that before. So I'm um, delighted with that, but... It's only on the back of some really, really good play uh, by our lads. Uh, it was fairly loose. I think that was a common theme for, two, for both teams, but uh, we managed to capitalise on a good few opportunities, so um, we'll take that. And Leading into next week now, it's a huge game, so we're uh, all focused on that. We hear a lot about the dry ground and, and it suits the way Connick play. I got the sense early on that you were in the zone, or certainly it, like looking at the conditions and thinking there's opportunities for me here to, to, to attack. Did you get that feeling from the get-go there on that pitch? Um, yeah, look, it was a really nice pitch. Uh, it's something we're not really used to, uh, especially this time of the year. I think we've been training the last three or four weeks in, in pretty bad conditions uh, at home due to the, the bad weather so uh, it was certainly a nice to play on a pitch like that but um, look our game is, is, is adaptable that's our main thing and to come out here and put a performance in like that is, uh, is pretty pleasing Yeah and you got in for two as well there was a lot of high octane open running rugby I mean is it fun to play in or are you, are you kind of looking for it to kind of settle down at some points as well? I think uh, I have to point out that there's a few tired bodies in there yeah. uh, really really tough game as I said it was, it was quite loose uh, which is something we're going to have to address um, but look to run in uh, I don't know how many tries it was six but million, six yeah. yeah really pleasing myself with three and knee with two so um, yeah that's it's really pleasing yeah big challenge next week despite despite what was a, a brilliant run of the last three weeks with 15 points you have to step it up again next week because the Ospreys won a monster a couple of weeks ago they won against Edinburgh as well absolutely yeah we set it inside at the end of the game to, to come away in the last three games with 15 points out of 15 is, uh, is extremely pleasing and to go into uh, next week against Ospreys especially with them coming away off the back of a really hard fought win against Munster it's, uh, it's going to be a tough challenge but it's something we're looking forward to we're back in the sports ground so um, yeah can't wait If they did a poll there's all these polls going around the moment if someone polls what Connick players should be in the Irish squad every single Connick fan thinks he should be in there are you hearing this on the side, sidewalk as you're walking around? Uh, I've heard it yeah. I've heard it a few times I've been asked the same question a little bit but uh, the answer I always give and it's the honest answer is I have to focus on my own performance uh, consistency is key especially for me now at this stage so that's all I'm focusing on and there were mistakes and I made a lot of mistakes so um, I've got things to work on as well so three three tries might look good but uh, there's a few uh, blemishes I need to uh, top up on. These next couple of games are key aren't they now in terms of where you want to be for top six well top four as well first and foremost because you've been there all season. Yeah well especially at the business end of the season mm. we've got six seven games left uh, everyone we need to win and we've got next week as I said it's uh, back in the sports ground so it's another opportunity for us to uh, clock another win and stay at the top well done thank you very much Matt Healy there 
great performance by him. And do you know what? He did acknowledge too when I was saying that every comic fan, if asked, will say, why isn't Matt Healy in the Irish squad? And he did say, look, I made some mistakes today as well. I've got work to do. I'm focusing on the game. And he did. He actually dropped the ball a couple of times when, you know, probably more than, than, than you might even expect from a man of his standards. So, yeah, plenty to be working on. But listen, should be in the Irish squad ahead of Fergus McFadden. End of story. So whoever asked that question, consider that question answered. But before we get to the other Twitter questions... Uh, we got to update our listeners on the crazy Italian telecoms guy. Indeed. We didn't get this chap's name. Um, you should tweet that picture of me on the ground trying to fix the box before he came along. We yeah. didn't get our ISCM box work. Well, we certainly didn't. So if any of you were listening in, I hope it was tolerable. It was a bit of a wing and a prayer stuff, uh, but we did our best. Yeah. Uh, our friend, who I'm going to call Giuseppe. Yeah, uh, good name. Because I, he didn't actually identify himself. Um, after he had managed to blow the entire electricity service in the ground, <laughs> everywhere, uh, the PA, the screen... This has been verified now, folks. Oh, this has been verified by the media manager. The screen went as well, didn't it? Yes, the screen went. All the lights went. The lights (laughs) went in the offices and the dressing rooms. Now, all he was doing, uh, and by no means would I decry his technical abilities, but he was essentially trying to connect up an ISDN box, in which there was a loud bang, a very loud bang, right beside Rob, who didn't look entirely concerned. Uh, Unfortunately, Giuseppe uh, went off at speed, disappeared. He stopped for a sec. He stood up and said something in Italian, even though he knew he couldn't speak English. And and he said it to me, he said it to you, and then he said it in detail to Lindley McKenzie who was there, and she just nodded, and then looked... Then he looked around and realised all the music was off and the stadium was switched off. And the best way I can describe it is he stepped away quietly, backwards, twice, and then turned and sped away. Indeed he did. And he then... <laughs> he, re- he, re- he returned at half-time. We still... ICN line's still dead. Luckily, the stadium working and the game on as, as scheduled. Um, did a certain amount of um, fiddling with the ISDN box, <laughs> I need to add... Because uh, we saw he had left some stuff with us. And we said, he has come back to collect his, his, his testing gear. Which he did. Mm. He said something in Italian to the media manager, and then he fled. He fled. <laughs> we were looking at him going, oh, good, you're coming back to fix it at halftime. I don't know why you're coming back at halftime. When you come back earlier? But no. Um, we then subsequently found out that he had managed to blow a main switch outside the ground. <laughs> Uh, which had caused all this problem. How he managed to do that with a 240 voltage plug and an ASDN box, I have no idea. Um, That was another part of the surreal afternoon uh, at the Stadio Lan Francini, I think it's called, in in Parma. It it just added to the... uh, an air of madness. Yes, from start to finish, the entire day, the game, all the trappings and trimmings around the edges, mad. Anyways, that's uh, that's that. Let's get to people's questions. Uh, oh yeah. Should say we're having a, a little drop of Lagavulin malt scotch whiskey, just to um, get our tongues loosened and our brains engaged before we take on the uh, questions on Twitter. It's drunk straight with a little drop of water. And the real, real secret, or will we give away the real secret? The secret of Lagavulin, as with some Islay Scotch whiskies, malts, is to put in ice-cold mineral water, not tap water, and not ice. 
just a little drop to open up the bouquet. We need what we need now is an overall media name for our podcasting companies, and we have spin-off podcasts like the Whiskey Podcast. Uh, we the Craggy Islands Whiskey Podcast. Why not? I, I think we. I think at least four percent of our listeners would tune in. Anyways, moving on. Uh, injured players. Fiona Halligan asked. Well, what do we know? We know that there's been a few knocks. Uh, Pat Lamb gave us an update that Jake Keenan took a knock on this bang on the side, bit of bruising, so it couldn't continue. Hopefully that's not the shoulder that he's injured before. Hopefully it's not his work current. But he does seem to be picking up a good few injuries. Yeah, he looked, uh, he looked as if he knew he was in trouble the minute the doc came on and he was gone very quickly. There was no taking him off to look at him and he didn't leave the touchline area so I don't think he was anywhere near a head assessment. They just they just took him off. He's He is picking up a lot of bangs. It's physical game, we know all that, but for a young guy missing time like that, it's hard because you, you, you hope that we're not into another rehab situation. So rehab situation for certainty for Old Master and that's gut-wrenching hugely popular player we've spoken to him a few times on the podcast uh, really comes across well and you know his on-field play for Connacht at 8 was, was being fantastic ironically enough this is a day where he actually was technically rested if you like or rotated anyways he comes off the bench gets injured yeah it didn't look good uh, Connacht got the staff on very quickly Red Cross a couple of doctors probably five, six-minute delay, taken off on a stretcher. Uh, and I suppose to use the, the, the new word, he'll be assessed. But you would feel that that's going to be an injury that'll take a bit of recovering from. And major positive was kicking accuracy, Um says. He's right, Warren. You're spot on there. Nine from ten. That's not iconic. Craig Rollinson and Ash McIntyre in the closing stages both kicked very well. Yep, they did. Uh, it was a good day for kicking. There's no wind whatsoever. Beautiful day. And some easy kicks pretty straight in front of the post, but they have to be kicked. And long may it continue. Vital part of the next few weeks is to keep your kicking accuracy. If you can get it up to 80, 80, 80, 85%, you're going places. Okay, Stephen Walton was a man who asked about Healy against uh, Fergus McFadden and considered that question answered. Most certainly, uh, Matt Healy over Fergus in our view. Uh, Will we move on to the next level without Glamour Boy Henshaw? Who, Robbie Henshaw, the first mention in the podcast, I tell you. Um, the glamour boy is, is beyond passive aggressive there, but anyways. Um, I, I don't think he's a glamour boy. I think he's made a decision. We, we've talked round and round and round this. We'll probably get to it a little bit later, just in a kind of a summation uh, in terms of the podcast and just a summation of some of the thoughts of the week. And maybe just we've had a few more days to think about it. But I agree with you, glamour boy. No, <laughs> you know, I know you're have a tongue in cheek there, and I don't even think Robbie will mind the few digs he gets in that regard. But yeah, I think we will move on to answer that in the simplest way. Moving on, we'll get back to it. Uh, yeah, Ronan's asking, are we going Kevin Keegan circa Newcastle or Brendan Rodgers circa Liverpool with we score more than you? I don't think we are, because I just don't think there's any trend there, but my God, that was crazy. Here's a good question. Um, Sylvie Ngatte, who uh, known to most of you as the famous, uh, famous four leading our prediction league at the moment and he's doing very well I don't know how long he can stay on the top there but he's going he started well how many points do you think we'll pick up between now and the end of the season and how many will we need for the top four that's a good question because all we're thinking about is top six and we're saying 60 points ooh maybe 64 I'd say 64 certain for certain for top six depending on who you beat but yeah 64 might be take a little bit of getting we've got 50 we need another 14 from there um that's not his question, though. He's asking about the top four. That's a hard to call. I don't think any of us have studied that too carefully. 
Well, let's, let's break it down a little bit. You've, you've two games to come in this section. We have a huge game next Saturday at home to the Ospreys. The Ospreys are going to come on the back of a very good win in Cork and a win uh, last night. They're not coming with a full team. Sometimes Welsh teams, when they come like that, are stronger because it's guys who are actually fighting to get contracts, fighting to, to get into the, dare I call them, franchises. Um, and when the international players are away, these guys get a chance. It's a massive game. Our resources are being stretched and stretched. Uh, they're going to be stretched again after the, the bangs and the knocks from today. If you win that, uh, you get to 54. Edinburgh, for, you know, if you win, it's it's you. You can put you can put Ospreys out of it with a win over them, and that's the next game, and that's the next step. Twelve points between us. You put, beat them, you put them out of it. Now you're saying guaranteed top seven because no one no one's going to come from behind the Ospreys to, to pass Connacht, and by, by that I mean Cardiff or the Dragons. They're not going to come come up. So guaranteed top seven if they put the Ospreys out of the running, and then if you beat Edinburgh, you nearly can say they're out of it, and you've already secured top six if you win the next two games. Um, the only way you won't secure top six in that scenario, I think, is if you lose the last five games in a row and pick up virtually more, nothing more than two points, then you might get caught. But other than that, I'd be fairly confident. Two more wins in the next two games, and they'll be crucial. But then you start talking about top four. What it requires for top four, I, I'll just take it on from here. I, I think two from three in the Interpros to go with those two wins. So that's, now you're at four wins, you're at 16. And I definitely think we can win in Treviso, so you're at 21 points. So I think something around 70, 71 could do it. Well, if you win two from three interprovincials, you are doing something that Connacht have never done in any era, which is to win three interprovincials. In the old days, it was yeah. only three. But I think it'll take that to be top four. Yeah, I'm. I'm I start- think you'll have to be Leinster Munster at home. I think I'd allow us maybe to slip up against Glasgow and uh, away to Ulster. I think I'd allow those two. But you're going to have to win in Edinburgh and you're going to have to win in Treviso so, for mm. top four. Yes, but let's be honest about it. In the last five games, you might just win one of them. Yeah. Because we it, saw what happened to Christmas. Like we can't just ignore that as if you know we can say injuries, we can say whatever. But we saw at Christmas when when it stepped up and Newcastle put out a strong team at home. Obviously, we had a lot of injuries there. But then Ulster came to Sports Ground and won. Leinster beat us, and whatever way we like it, Scarlets found a way to come back and beat us. So you know those were that it was stepped up then the intensity, and we didn't come out with the results. It'll be it'll, it will be intense, and that's where your squad's under pressure. Um, I actually think next Saturday is a massive game. I think it's it's so huge for them because it would bring them to a 50% season. It would mean they would get to 11 wins, which would be a record. And that might give them the kick forward. Lose next Saturday and the mountain just... It, it, look, it's there. It's just going to be play what's in front of you. We have to speed through a few more. Alan Kavanagh asked us about whatever happened to scoring tries un- underneath the post. That'll help improve goal-kicking percentage. Completely agree with him on that. Not a key issue to today's game, but well, it might have been, actually, a couple of the scores. But more importantly, just in general, God, that doesn't happen enough. And there are games when I'm watching Connacht wondering why they're not going in a bit closer to the post to make it easier because it's so important. Good point. Well made. No, Packy was on. We'll have him on the podcast next week because he's long overdue an entry. He has some some strong opinions on a, on a couple of the issues that cracked up over the last few weeks. But he was frustrated with the way Connick played. Tom O'Neill came in as well. How do we manage to let Zebra score the highest score they've got all season? I mean, whew, there's a few people worried there. Um, because it's only happened once this season, I'm I'm not that concerned. I I I think you you have to take it. Uh, 
on one game is a blip. It was a, just a very odd game to watch live and probably to watch on television. There was just errors after every t- every time we scored. There was in the second half. To be fair, the try was from the interception, which was maybe a little bit of showboating by Dennis Buckley trying a maybe a slightly ambitious pass and. Uh, if the number five went the length of the pitch and then had to be substituted about ten minutes later because I don't think he had any breath left in him. Um, it wasn't really through good structured play. That's not trying to pretend it didn't happen, but I don't think you can you can see a pattern there. And I would be inclined to say blip, and they just have to move on from it. Yeah, and when you're talking fifteen points in three games. Even if the the form, you know, the form is ne- not necessarily perfect in the last two, you got to take the points and move on. Why does William pronounce Clenetly with an S? And I have heard you do this. You're gonna, you're about to pronounce it correctly now. But you were doing some sort of Clenetly. I don't know what it was. I meant to say it to you, but because your your dad was from Wales, I just said, look, maybe he knows something we don't know. Uh, well, I wasn't aware of that. Um, yeah, Clenetly. Well, that was good. That, that should get you off the hook now. Maybe we'll, we'll dub that in every time you say it now and you'll be, you'll be on the money. And that is it for questions. There might be one or two others that we'll get back to later, if we remember. But now, William, before we get to the big issues at the end and the end of the other business, we've got two really good pieces of audio to drop in. Yeah, I did two interviews today. Uh, the main one. Dr Donal O'Byrne, uh, Ginger O'Byrne, well-known in rugby circles in Galway, ex-Galwegians uh, player. Uh, travelling doctor today Uh, we had a really in-depth discussion about the whole issue of what the doctor does but then we moved it on to talk about head injury protocols and how these assessments are done and it was incredibly interesting if you think this stuff is just made up on a wing and a prayer believe me it isn't I've seen the forms and some of the stuff you read about uh, and hear about that guys learn this stuff off by heart and whatever, they don't. They, they are taking this seriously. It may change somewhere down the road, but at the moment, uh, they're on top of it. They're checking it. And it's, it's illuminating stuff because he's just talking about what they go through in the, in the process. All right. Here's a... Donald Byrne with William and well worth a listen a lot of detail here and hopefully something that you're not getting elsewhere on other rugby podcasts It's a Saturday afternoon early on match day here in Parma beautiful sunny afternoon and I'm with Dr Donald O'Byrne known in rugby circles and Galway as Ginger O'Byrne who is the travelling medic with the Connacht team for this trip to play Zebra. Uh, so you're very welcome along to Craggy Island Rugby, Donald. Thank you, William. Um, what we're here to discuss today is what the doctor does in modern rugby. game has changed a lot. I remember watching matches years ago, sidelines with a bag which had a sponge, a bottle of water, and that fixed everything. And if you got a bang on the head, you were sent out to the wing to run up and down for a bit to clear your head, and then unless a bit of you fell off you played on. So we're in a totally different context now and we're also going to look at the HIA protocol and how that works because it's the new buzzword in rugby and it's causing quite a lot of difficulties. 
Donald, can you start by just filling us in on what your day, what your role is on and during the match on match day? During the day, you'd just be dealing with any issues that would arise, particularly away from home, anybody that just wasn't feeling well or anything of that nature. Rarely happens, but occasionally there are problems like that. Um, in relation to the match, um, we normally arrive at the ground maybe about an hour and a half before um, kick-off time. And uh, the first period there is spent um, setting up and just getting stuff prepared for whatever you're likely to be faced with during the game. In the, in the current scenario, you're part, I suppose, of a team. Uh, the physio and yourself work very closely together and um, a lot of the regular stuff, strapping, all that sort of thing is, is taken over by the physio and also the masseur would be very much part of what happens before a game. Once the game starts and you're, you're on the sideline and can you come onto the pitch anytime you want if you see something or do you have to be wait to be, to be called on? We don't have to wait to be called on. If we see uh, an injury, particularly an injury that looks potentially serious, we don't have to wait to be brought onto the pitch. We can run straight in and go straight directly to the uh, injured per- injured player. Um, we sometimes will be called on by the referee, uh, but we don't have to wait to be called on. Obviously, there's lots of injuries occurring. Rugby. You, have, you have strains and you have stress injuries and you have broken bones and blood. They're kind of normal and I think people understand those Mm. Uh, the one that's in everybody's mind at the moment is the head injury assessment it even flashes up on the screen now when a player is going off HIA Mm -hmm. but what exactly does that mean you've gone out onto the pitch what are you looking for in that scenario well Sometimes you have clearly seen that there is a head injury. Um, you, you, this isn't always the case, but it can be the case in, in probably about two-thirds of cases. Uh, sometimes it happens uh, concealed in a rock situation, and it may only be as um, a rock uh, breaks up that you realise that somebody's still left on the ground. The first thing you do when you go in is establish whether it's a potential injury to the heart. If there's some doubt as to whether they've got a significant head injury or not, you'll probably ask these questions. In most cases, that isn't necessary and you've seen that there's a head injury. But the type of questions you'd be asking in that situation is who scored last in the game, where are we playing today, who did we play last week, or these type of questions, which establish what we call cognitive function or I suppose immediate memory to most people Um, and if there's any uh, confusion about that then the player is taken off Um, or if there are any balance issues like if a player obviously can't support themselves if they appear in any way dazed um, or as I said if you've already seen that there's a head injury irrespective of how bad it is they have to come off and have what we call a head injury exam, uh, assessment, rather, sorry, which is HIA. You have total charge of that as the doctor. It's, it's, your, um, it's your decision that. Uh, few people can make a decision. Uh, the doctor can obviously decide that somebody needs a head injury assessment. The referee can also decide that somebody needs a head injury assessment, um, or the physio can decide um, of your own side. Okay. So players come off. You've brought him into the dressing room. Mm. How does that procedure work? Is it a ten? Is there a ten-minute rule there? You have ten minutes to make the assessment once you take him off the pitch, and uh, there is a strict what we call protocol 
um, that you go through uh, to it's it's a tool it's not the actual assessment is help to you making a decision. Like essentially, you're supposed to make the diagnosis, but the tool is a way at arriving at that diagnosis. Um, and uh, it assesses what I mentioned already, cognitive function, which is really uh, your, your thinking process, your immediate memory, your orientation, do you know what day it is, what, things of that nature. So you're asking questions relevant to that. You're also asking for any specific symptoms, such as headache, dizziness. There are a series of these symptoms that will also contribute to helping you to make the diagnosis. Apart from that, we do balance tests. And that includes uh, things like standing on one foot, uh, and it also includes an assessment of somebody walking uh, along a three-meter line, heel-to-toe gait, uh, without staggering, without straying off the line, and they have a certain uh, length of time to complete that task down and back. Okay. Now you'll usually, as you're going along, be making an assessment anyway. Uh, it's, it's, and it's quite easy, in a way, to make up your mind within the 10 minutes. And sometimes, you, you, well, you always have to complete the examination, but you might have your mind made up halfway through it, this player is definitely not going back on the pitch. Now we're mic'd up, obviously, and I can speak to the uh, touchline from inside and tell them that I don't expect this, um, this player to pass the HIA, so get yourself ready. How do the players react to that? How, how, well, how do you feel if... Is, is it difficult sometimes? Does a player really get upset when he's told he can't go back on? Or yeah, Yes, naturally. Uh, in the, if there is... I mean, obviously there's a, a breakdown here where some situations the player is quite obviously uh, concussed and accepts the situation and, and uh, you know, just doesn't create any um, dispute about it at all. Now, and, and when I mention the word dispute, you don't really have disputes, but uh, players are often eager to get back on the pitch, particularly if they haven't had a lot of match time recently or mm. those sort of things. Mm. And uh, But that doesn't mean that they... Um, sort of colour their answers in any way because there are specific things that we ask that that test their memory that they either remember things or they don't you know they're, they, they, if I can show you here on the HIA their form these are the type of questions that we ask people and they have to repeat that back to me both words uh, forms of words, they have to repeat back letters which might include up to six letters in the correct order or in reverse order uh, and that has to be done quickly within uh, okay. uh, so that you can't mess around with that, you either know it or you don't mm-hmm. and if, you're, if you have a, a significant enough uh, concussive uh, injury to the head it will upset your mental function and you will not be able to give me back these answers the way I want them Looking at this, which is a very detailed form, um, it's full A4 pages, questions, there's, there's number sequences. There's, yes. Are you looking at it that this is a, a serious issue? Are you concerned about the number of concussions that are occurring, or do you think generally they're on, on top of what they're doing? I think we're beginning to come to terms with the problem. I mean, naturally, everybody is concerned that there would be um, injuries that 
injuries that you can deal with there and then that you can fix, like broken legs, broken arms, cuts, things like that. Everybody, nobody likes to see them happening, but people accept them as part of the game. A head injury has a, a, a different type of problem associated with it, and that you're afraid that this may come back to cause problems later on. The Connacht team just arriving <laughs> for their lunch, by the sounds of it here. They, uh, yes, they're marching with great purpose into the lunchroom, I'd have to say. Um, the modern player, the younger players, a lot of the younger guys here this weekend, do you think they're more switched on to this? Have they, have they, do they understand? Maybe? I do. I, I firmly believe that, uh, that they're understanding the message that this is something that is put there to protect them. And I think that that is very much the way things are heading, with, particularly with the younger players, with all players at the moment, but with the younger players. They can see the disruptive uh, possibilities in something like this. And... Uh, I think they're cooperating well now with the, in the attempt to protect them. And we'll have part two of William's interview with Dr. Donald Liburn next week. Uh, thanks as well to uh, Donald for contributing to that. Also, apologies for the sound quality. We were battling with a lot of extreme noise there, as you probably noticed. But uh, hopefully you got really good insight into what happens on the field. Next week, we'll be talking about what happens in the weeks after a concussion is diagnosed. Just before we get to the end of the podcast, time for a nice little segment. I mentioned them earlier, mentioned them again, the NUIG Rugby Academy, and they're a great band of volunteers who brought them over. They had a real good group of uh, people who were looking after them as well, so well done to all of them. William caught up with two of them, Garo Janone, and here's their thoughts on a big, a big trip. They'll explain to you what it's all about and what they're trying to do. Boy, did they make a lot of noise today. Well done, guys. Garage, why are you here and uh, what is the aim of this trip? Okay, uh, we're here to play a match tomorrow against Nochete, local side, and also to take in the, the Connacht game against Zebra. We were hopeful of a successful outcome and sure enough, thankfully they have, they've done the business. Um, there's a total travelling party of 54. We've got f- uh, 14 adults and uh, 40 teenagers and uh, they represent a mixture of 16s and 17s in the academy. The academy starts at under 13, and uh, what we're hoping is that at each, as each age group comes to the 16-17 age bracket, we will do a trip abroad like this and thereby promote the club. So they've come, they've come here this evening. Um, when they go forward from 13s, 14s, is the idea that when they go into college that they will stay playing rugby? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We, we started academy specifically for that purpose because we found that a lot of the students coming to university who had played with other clubs continued to play with them rather than play with the university. So uh, the aim would be that they'll feed through to our under-20 side and ultimately on to the senior student side. Owen, uh, how has the trip gone for them so far? It's been great. The lads have been great. They've, we're just talking about the, the different kids that are from all over the city of Galway. Uh, we have five different schools represented today from St Mary's College and St Mary's Road, St Jez, uh, St Enders and Trent Needle Road, over to the uh, Colossian Curba, the new school over there. Um, so it's a great mix across the city uh, and that's fantastic. And a lot of the schools, St Mary's in particular, Colossian Curba, are just about to start playing rugby now and we're trying to support them as well, which will support us as a club and then support the university in the years to come. Um, academies are usually sort of people think they're to do with guys that have already signed sort of professional forms. So 
this is obviously a, a new venture and it's 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 a new a new way of looking at it um have you been supported by the Connacht branch with the structures we have indeed and i have to thank the uh, <clears throat> the president um jerry o'donnell and the uh, the chief executive who came over to us this evening and uh shook hands with all the lads. They've been supportive in terms of sending out coaches to our, our coaching sessions. We, 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 uh, we train on a Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock in Dangan on a Saturday morning at uh, 10.30. Um, and any time we've asked, Connacht have been very good in, in sending over professional coaches to assist with the, the guys that are there doing that work. All right, Mills Molina. He's obviously ex-Connacht player, had a tough ending to his Connacht career. He's having a much better time of it over here with Zebra in terms of the rugby he's getting and he's injury-free now. He started today and I thought played reasonably well. Um, still lacks the pace like as we know, but had some great offloads and, and certainly marshaled the back line well when they, were, when they were having a lot of possession in the first half. Yeah, he... Um he still has that little bit of class at times. He always seems to be in the right place and he always seems to be able to get rid of the ball. Um, but as with players of that age, his speed is gone. It was gone when he was with us. The fact that he's gone injury-free has definitely helped him here. It was a nice moment at the end when uh, he had an embrace and a long discussion with Bundyaki. They came over to the touchline. Uh, I think they were acknowledging somebody in, in the crowd and then... Bundy went down and joined the rest of the teammates to meet the kids from NUIG. Um, I'm pleased to see that his, his rugby career is still moving uh, in some sort of a forward direction. Uh, as you said, he had a difficult end mm. to a very difficult and maybe unrewarding spell at Galway. But that sport, sometimes it doesn't work out. Anyways, that's that. You're any other business? Um, no, not really. Nothing, nothing whiskey based even. Uh, I think of is better than Talisker, but when when the bars run, when you've drained the bottle, and we didn't drink all of it, folks, um, this is a pretty good, uh, pretty good filler in. Now there is another hotel, of course, just down the road that does have Lagavulin, but um, mm, well, like by my calculations. Uh, the next time we have to record a podcast for Craggy Island Rugby is all of seven days away and considering this is our only job and we're full-time employees with Craggy Island Incorporation maybe we have time on our hands it's not our only job you know this thanks for listening folks spread the word because you know we're poor and BMW or Swedish models or Lagavulin all refuse to sponsor us so we rely on you guys spreading the word about us so thanks for that if there's anything else we haven't covered well we'll get to it next week but I'll tell you one thing William final thoughts here you know I don't know. A hero is Giuseppe. Do we call him Giuseppe? Is that what we call him? Yeah, well, uh, that was the name I gave him. Yep, one man and a screwdriver did a lot of damage. <laughs> I wish I had the recorder on when the whole place went... Because <laughs> that's pretty much what happens. Mm, what you really needed was a video of his face. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, we'll talk to you in seven days when I will have driven... 2,200 kilometres and Alan's sitting at home right now going we don't care but they do people do care they do I know they care <laughs>